Hello, this is Ayush from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. It is Thursday, September 10th, and India today recorded 95,000 cases of COVID-19. The country's tally stood at 44.6 lakh, while 1172 fatalities took the total number of deaths to a little over 75,000. At present, there are 9.1 lakh active cases in the country which comprise 20% of the total caseload. The fatality rate has dropped to 1.68%, while the recovery rate is at 78%. Delhi scaled a new high of daily coronavirus cases, with more than 4,000 infections being detected yesterday. The last time the capital reached this level was on June 23rd, when a little more than 3,900 new cases were reported. India's COVID-19 tally had crossed the 20 lakh mark on August 7th, It went past 30 lakh on August 23rd and 40 lakh on September 5th. According to the Indian Council of Medical Research, or the ICMR, more than 11 lakh samples were tested yesterday. A few days ago, India had overtaken Brazil to become the second country with the highest caseload after the United States, which has over 6.3 million cases. However, in terms of deaths, India ranks third after the US and Brazil. Two under-trial prisoners in a government hostel in Pune who had tested positive for coronavirus, escaped in the early hours today. The hostel is designated as a temporary prison. This is the fourth such incident in which inmates have fled from the temporary prison. Prison department and local police officials said that the two inmates, who were kept in an isolation section, managed to flee at around 1am today. Officials said that one of the two had tried to escape on an earlier occasion, but was caught later. The two are said to have bent the window grills and scaled the compound wall. A police search is underway. On July 16th, five inmates had escaped from the same facility by breaking the grill of the window, but were caught separately later. On the night of July 12th, a 21-year-old inmate in judicial custody in a robbery case had managed to flee. He was caught within 24 hours of his escape. In a similar manner, two inmates had escaped from the same premises in June. They were, however, arrested later. Larson and Tubro, or LNT, which has been awarded the contract to build the Ram Temple in Ayodhya, has contacted the Indian Institute of Technology, Madras, to provide expert help with the design as well as the quality of the concrete to be used. This comes at a time when the Temple Construction Committee set up by the Sri Ram Janmabhumi Tirth Kshetra is working out the details of the Ram Temple to be constructed in Ayodhya. The trust members have said that the plan is to create a temple grand enough to make Ayodhya be recognized as the center of Hindu faith and strong enough to survive for more than 1,000 years. Thus, the experts will first build a single pillar going deep into the ground, and only after proper testing of its strength, and if it is capable enough to hold the weight of the temple, will they go ahead with the rest of the pillars. The testing process is expected to take around a month. According to the trust members, the temple will have 1,200 pillars in total, each going 200 feet deep into the ground. Among the other things confirmed is that the on-ground construction, including the digging of the rest of the pillars, is expected to start after October 15 this year, and the whole construction is planned to be completed in the next 39 months. Thus, the construction is expected to be completed by January in 2023. Earlier, the Trust had submitted a detailed plan of the Sri Ram Janmabhumi Tirth Kshetra Mandir Yojana, spread across 2.74 lakh square meters, or more than 67 acres, to the Ayodhya Development Authority, or the ADA. A day after the Brihan Mumbai Municipal Corporation, or the BMC, demolished unauthorized constructions at Kangana Ranaut's 
office premises in Bandra's Pali Hill, it issued a notice to fashion designer Manish Malhotra for illegal constructions. He has also been accused of converting residential premises into commercial in his bungalow at Pali Hill in Bandra West. On Monday, when the BMC team had visited to check actor Kangra Ranaut's property and a few other bungalows there, it had also inspected Malhotra's bungalow. The civic body had issued notice to Malhotra under Section 351 of the Mumbai Municipal Corporation Act from 1888, asking him to furnish documents to prove the legality of the unauthorized constructions. The Municipal Corporation has given seven days' time to Malhotra to reply as per the provision in the Act. According to the notice, Malhotra has also made an unauthorized addition and alteration for a cabin on the first floor, illegal construction of two structures with a brick masonry wall, an AC sheet roof on the terrace of the second floor. BJP corporators today moved a no-confidence motion against Mumbai Mayor Kishori Pernikar over allegations of irregularities in the BMC and the failure to contain the coronavirus cases. The BJP said that it requested an emergency meeting under the Mumbai Municipal Corporation Act 1888 to move no-confidence motion against the mayor. While speaking to the Indian Express, Pernikar denied both the allegations of corruption as well as of COVID-19. On the virus situation, the mayor said that the city had earned the praise of the World Health Organization, or the WHO, over its efforts to tackle the pandemic. Pernikar also sought proof from the BJP to justify its allegation of corruption against the civic body. The mayor also tested positive for COVID-19 earlier today. The BMC's demolition drives and notices are of course connected to the media's coverage of the SSR case. The case has attracted a lot of viewership and also virulent criticism from several quarters. Manisha this week profiled the empire of Arnav Goswami and his reign at Republic TV. It's a sharp and comprehensive piece of journalism and I recommend it highly. It's titled, It's Not a Newsroom, It's a Darbar, Inside the Republic of Arnav Goswami. You can read this report on newslaundry.com. And while you're there, also check out my colleague Akanksha's report on the police probe into the Delhi riots. It explains how the Delhi police is going after labor right activists to link the riots with the anti-CA protests. Please check out both these reports on our website. And if you like them, do click on the subscribe button on the top right-hand corner. Our cheapest subscription costs only 300 rupees a month. Please extend your support to independent media and pay to keep news free. The Indian Express reported today that of the 7 lakh Delhiites tested for COVID-19 through the rapid antigen method, only around 0.8% have been pre-tested through RT-PCR so far. Of this, only 11% have come out as positive. Rapid antigen tests, or the RAT, which can produce results within 30 minutes, were introduced in Delhi on June 18th after a decision was taken by the centre and Delhi government to scale up testing in the city, where the positivity rate had crossed 20%. Between June 18th and August 27th, the city saw approximately 7.4 lakh rapid antigen tests. According to ICMR guidelines, a person testing negative through the RAT method should definitely be retested through RT-PCR if he or she shows symptoms of COVID-19. This would imply that out of 7.4 lakh people to have taken the RAT over the span of three months, only 6,000 or so were showing symptoms such as flu, cough or fever. The findings are crucial given the Delhi government's heavy reliance on RAT to isolate positive cases and curb the spread of the virus. Over the months, the Delhi government has carried out mass-scale rapid tests among high-risk groups such as street vendors, cab drivers, workers in industrial townships, domestic helps, etc. 
according to ICMR, rapid tests have a sensitivity of 50 to 84 percent, which makes retesting symptomatic individuals essential. Between June and July, the city conducted 2 lakh RT-PCR and 3 lakh rapid tests. While RT-PCR had a positivity rate of 30.5%, it was 6.5% in RAT. Amid the row over conducting the joint entrance exams for admission to premier engineering colleges in times of COVID, attendance for the exam held between September 1st and September 6th fell by 20 percentage points over the first cycle held in January. While 94% of registered students appeared for the exam held in January 2020, attendance fell to 74% for the exam held earlier this month. According to data shared by the Education Ministry last night, out of the 8.58 lakh aspirants, 6.35 lakh appeared for the engineering entrance test. This is significant given that attendance in pre-COVID days was much higher. According to data shared earlier by the National Testing Agency, Attendance for JE Main was 94.11% in January 2019, 94.15% in April 2019, and 94.32% in January this year. The conduct of the JE Main was mired in controversy with some students demanding that the examination be put off given the rising COVID cases in the country. The entrance test had already been postponed twice before. Despite student protests, the government went ahead with the examination arguing that careers cannot be put on hold indefinitely. The Supreme Court had also dismissed a plea for postponement, arguing that the career of the students cannot be put in jeopardy. Back to the homegrown stuff from newslaundry.com. This week on our podcast, Anil Hafta, we had Patricia Mukim, editor of the Shillong Times, as the special guest. She gave us insight into Meghalaya's maternal and neonatal mortality crisis and spoke about her personal experiences working to create awareness about contraception and reproductive rights in rural areas of the northeastern state. Here is an audio snippet from the interview, which you can listen to in its entirety on newslaundry.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Now, there are many, many problems with uh, maternal deaths, maternal and infant deaths in Meghalaya. If you have been following statistics, then after Assam, it's Meghalaya that has the highest maternal mortality. And the reasons are many, but mainly it's poor maternal nutrition, the socioeconomic factors. This is what uh, even the government uh, statistics have found. I mean, the government studies, there is very low maternal knowledge. And I can say this uh, with some authority because I was involved with a local university here in going to the villages to create awareness on the use of condom, you know, on spacing for women so that they don't just give birth every year. You know, in Meghalaya, in in the villages, the average family size is about eight or nine or ten. Some people give birth to as many as 12 children. There's no spacing. There's very poor nutrition. About 56% of women in the childbearing years are anemic. So if you put all these factors together, you get the results that you see. Episodes of Anil Hafta are available for free for the next few weeks, but soon they will be available to our subscribers only. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a good day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. 
catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.